Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. My name is Eric McCroskey, your host, and today we're here to talk about an incredibly important topic related to safety, which is around sleep. I have with me Rebecca Boissois, who earned her uh, master's in industrial organizational psychology from Colorado State University and has a bachelor's in psychology and a minor in sociology from the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. She's currently in her final stages in her PhD in IO psychology and has done a lot of research on employee sleep, health, safety, and nature, and the exposure and relation to recovery from work stress. Uh, so I'm really excited to have Becca with me. Uh, and Becca, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So I, your background seems to be really focused on workplace psychology and works, worker sleep. Uh, how much sleep do we really need? Is it true that everyone should sleep at least eight hours each night? Yeah, so although eight hours is mentioned a lot as the ideal number, experts in the sleep field actually recommend that adults should consistently be getting between seven and nine hours of sleep each night. Hmm. And good to know. So how much people how much sleep do people actually get to? Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't getting enough sleep. A study that was conducted by researchers at the CDC, so the Centers mm-hmm. for Disease Control and Prevention, found that about a third of Americans are actually sleeping less than seven hours each night. Uh, so sometimes sleep is a, so sometimes I sleep enough uh, between seven and nine hours, but I don't feel like I get a good night's sleep. Why would that be? Mm, okay, so. Seven to nine hours is the recommendation for the amount of sleep that most adults need. But this recommendation only captures sleep duration. And there are Mm -hmm. other ways to conceptualize sleep beyond just the duration of time spent to sleep. So aspects of sleep quality are also important. Interesting. So what is sleep quality? Sleep quality is what it sounds like. So it's how good the quality of your sleep is. Insomnia symptoms like having trouble falling asleep or difficulty staying asleep throughout the night, those things reflect sleep quality. Other experiences like waking up feeling well-rested, refreshed, or restored are also aspects of sleep quality. Interesting. Uh, And which is more important, the amount of sleep you try to get or the quality of your actual sleep, in your opinion? Good question, but I can't pick one. They are both (laughs) important. Ah, I see. So I have a really busy week and I'm not able to get seven to nine hours of sleep. Can I just catch up on sleep over the weekends? That's something I tend to do all the time. What's what's the risk for me? Okay, so this pattern of sleeping where you don't get enough sleep throughout the week and then sleep in over the weekend is sometimes referred to as binge sleeping. Mm -hmm. So this is a great question, though, and one that researchers are still trying to fully understand. Some studies have found that it can be useful for people to catch up on lost sleep by sleeping in on the weekends and that it may actually be helpful for health-related outcomes. However, many other researchers believe that people who have sleep debt or an accumulation of poor sleep over time can't truly make up for that lost sleep. So Mm. the jury is still out on this one. (laughs) 
Ultimately, though, catching up on sleep is probably not as beneficial as consistently getting between seven and nine hours each night and having similar bed and wake times each day. Interesting. So uh, obviously, I live a really busy life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners do the same and have the same challenges. Uh, And sometimes it doesn't seem like sleep should be prioritized over other things. Um, So how important is sleep really uh, in terms of, uh, of our well-being and also what we're able to accomplish? Yeah, so I can relate to sometimes feeling too busy to prioritize sleep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but sleep is really important and should absolutely be prioritized. Insufficient sleep, we know from a lot of research, is associated with things like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, reduced immunity, and early mortality. So it is super important. Also, getting enough and getting high-quality sleep is related to mental health, well-being, and the relationships you have with others. It's also linked to how people perform and act while they're at work and how they perceive their work. Okay, so you've got my attention. Sleep is really important for your health. Mm -hmm. The last part made sense, too. When I don't get sleep or a sufficient amount of sleep, uh, I'm in a really bad mood and can't get anything done, as as probably some of my team members will tell me. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so... Think about a time when you didn't sleep well and you were exhausted the next day. Maybe it felt harder to pay attention and perform well at work, or maybe you were moody when you were interacting with people. Not getting enough or good sleep tends to just make things harder. So the way I think of it, I care a lot about my work and I care a lot about my life outside of work and Mm -hmm. believe that prioritizing my sleep will help me be happy and successful in each of these areas of my life. So you mentioned that sleep can impact work outcomes. Can Mm -hmm. you talk more about that? Uh, What should organizations, company care about when it comes to the workers' sleep? Sure. So there's a lot of research that has shown that workers who don't get enough sleep or who get low-quality sleep are at risk for a variety of work-related problems. For Mm -hmm. example, workers with poor sleep are more likely to get into accidents or be injured while they're at work. There are even estimates that 13% of work injuries can be attributed to sleep-related problems. Wow. Why is it that sleep influences things like workplace safety? Good question. This is actually something I explored with my colleagues in a project on construction worker safety that was published a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. So have you ever gone to work and not been able to pay attention to your tasks or other people, maybe made mistakes or couldn't remember how to complete a task? Yes, of course. Who hasn't? Yeah. So these experiences are known as workplace cognitive failures. And we explored cognitive failures at work as a link between sleep and workplace safety. And what we found is that one of the reasons construction workers with poor sleep quality reported having more injuries at work and being less compliant with safety protocols is that these workers were also experiencing more cognitive failures. So lapses in their memory, attention and action while they were at work. That's really interesting. Are there other reasons why organizations or companies should care about uh, their employees' sleep? Yeah, there are a lot more reasons. So poor sleep is linked to worse job performance, being less engaged at work, being less likely to help out your coworkers, and also being more impatient, avoidant, or rude towards your coworkers. Um, insufficient sleep has also been linked to things like unethical or deviant behaviors at work. Mm. So things like cheating or searching the internet for things that are not related to work, something known as cyber loafing, (laughs) or even claiming credit for someone else's work. And beyond all of these things, workers with poor sleep also tend to report more burnout from their work, 
lower job satisfaction, and are more likely to think about quitting their job. So all of these things are really costly to employers. One study estimated that it costs companies over $2,000 per employee with insomnia because of lost work time and reduced performance. Wow, that's a lot of money. Uh, what can companies do about this? And, and is, this, is this something that is beyond what the company should be working or looking at? Yeah. So the reality is that one of the main reasons why people experience disrupted sleep is their work. And there's hmm. research on how work hours, working overtime, shift work schedules, and the stress that comes from work can have a negative impact on people's sleep. Hmm. However, there's a lot that organizations and companies can do to improve their employees' sleep. Like what? There are a bunch of options. So in a study that I recently published with my colleagues, we found that nurses and certified nursing assistants with more schedule control experienced better sleep, and they were also more satisfied and less likely to think about quitting their job. Similar findings have also been found in other research, too. So one option would be to provide employees with flexibility and control over their work schedules. That makes a lot of sense uh, and definitely very consistent with a lot of other research that I've seen in terms of giving freedom and flexibility in terms of work scheduling. But what if the work schedule can't be changed? What other mm -hmm. options might exist? Yeah. So broadly, employer-related insurance that provides accessible and affordable health care coverage to employees is one way employers can help. Likewise, wellness programs are also mutually beneficial for employees and organizations. So those are great ideas. What about if an employee came into work and was totally exhausted? What mm. should an employer do with them? If the employee is about to start a shift doing safety-sensitive work, like operating a forklift or machinery, one thing the employer could do would be to simply reassign their job tasks or duties that day and to ensure their safety and the safety of their coworkers. More generally, though, leaders, supervisors, and managers can be role models to their employees. For example, instead of bragging about how little sleep they get, they can talk <laughs> about how it's important to prioritize sleep, and they can encourage their workers to have healthy sleep behaviors. This idea is known as sleep leadership, and it's been effective in military settings and is likely useful in other contexts, too. And mm. supervisors and managers, they're in a position where they can help employees modify their schedules and their workloads, which can have a positive influence on their employees' sleep. Uh, in addition to this, some companies, particularly those with shift workers, tend to have spaces where workers can go to take short naps during their work breaks. So this is another option that could help prevent sleepiness or fatigue throughout the workday. I love your example in terms of sleep leadership. I think that's a really good example in terms of your role modeling, what, what good looks like. So mm -hmm. if, you're, if our listener is an employee rather than an employer, what can they do to improve their sleep? Yeah. So if you're an employee, but not the employer, there are a lot of things you can do. So as I mentioned earlier, striving for seven to nine hours of sleep each night with consistent bed and wake times is one thing you can do. In addition to this, similar to how keeping food diaries or logging fitness can increase your awareness of your diet and exercise, tracking sleep may also be helpful for some people. You can mm. do this with a wearable tracker like a Fitbit or simply a pen and paper and just keep track of when you go to sleep, when you wake up, and how long you sleep each night. That's a really, really good idea, good example. I think there's even apps that help you with doing that on, on, on an iPhone 
I think they've added some sleep apps on, on that side. Uh, so those are really good ideas. Is there anything else people can do? Oh, yeah. There are a number of other things people can do to improve their sleep. Uh, something even as simple as just reducing the amount of caffeine you consume later in the day can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Things like exercising can be really helpful for sleeping better, though it's not helpful if it's done right before bedtime because this can actually make it harder to unwind and fall asleep. Mm. Uh, other things like refraining from working in bed can be helpful so your brain can associate your bed with sleeping rather than working. Mm -hmm. Another thing that can be helpful is having a relaxing bedtime routine where you do a similar calming activity to unwind before bed each night. Uh, what about alcohol? Does that help you sleep because it's a, it's a depressant? No, alcohol makes it easier <laughs> to fall asleep. This is a really a common question that people tend to ask a lot. But what alcohol does is it makes it easier to fall asleep, but it actually disrupts important sleep stages like REM or rapid eye movement mm. sleep. So you should probably skip the nightcap and opt for something else. I like sleepy time teas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've seen people wearing those blue light glasses. Do those help with sleep? Okay, so the idea behind the blue light glasses is that electronics emit blue light. And this type mm -hmm. of light has been linked with problem sleeping. So it makes sense to think that glasses that block out some of the blue light would help sleep. Mm -hmm. However, this is a hotly debated topic right now, and there's disagreement about whether the, the blue light glasses really help. Some people think they do, some think they do, but it's just a placebo effect, and others think they don't help, help at all. Until we know for sure, an easier and more affordable way to improve sleep would be to simply refrain from using electronics like your phone, laptop, or television close to bedtime. Instead, mm. you could try using less stimulating activities that are free from blue light, so reading a paperback book, meditating, listening to music or a podcast, um, or do other things like that to unwind before bed. And what if your boss is emailing you late at night and you feel like you need to respond? Mm, okay, good question. Feeling an urge to immediately respond to a work-related email describes something we um, call telepressure in the research literature. And research has found links between this idea of telepressure and the experience of telepressure and poor sleep. So setting expectations about the use of technology outside of work and outside of work hours and preferred response times to things like emails is another way that supervisors and managers can help their employees get better sleep. That's a good point. And I've heard some some leaders also share some, some guidance around what their expectations are. I'm seeing more and more people as well using the delayed send method. Mm -hmm. So they could be sending the email, but if they want to make sure somebody doesn't jump on something right away, delay till perhaps the next morning. Yeah, that's a great example. Uh, so where should employees or employers go if they want to learn more about sleep? There are a lot of options. Primary care physicians are a great resource for people who have concerns about their sleep. But for more general information, the National Sleep Foundation and American Academy for Sleep Medicine both have helpful articles about sleep on their websites. Another resource that might be helpful for employers is a recent white paper on why poor employee sleep is bad for business. This was sponsored by the Society of Industrial Organizational Psychology, also known as PSYOP, which is the field that I'm in, and can be found on their website. Becca, that was super interesting. Thank you so much for coming on our, our podcast. Definitely a lot of important themes that too many people deprioritize. I know, especially in these really challenging times that we're in right now, a lot of people are starting to trying to get more done, um, mm -hmm. myself included. And sometimes that puts pressure against 
the quality of our sleep, or as you said as well, the, the duration of our sleep. Um, so really important topic. And I've seen in a lot of organizations where it becomes a, a subtle theme that starts emerging within the workforce and becomes really dangerous, just like people driving drunk or we're coming to work drunk mm-hmm. is you don't necessarily have the ability to focus on the work that you have in front of you. So uh, thank you so much for coming in to share some of these uh, data points uh, and, and trying to share and popularize a lot more of, of that information for people uh, because I think too few organizations put sleep on their corporate agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy, distinguish yourself from the pack, grow your success, capture the hearts and minds of your teams, fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the Ops Guru, Eric McCroskey.